Jill Briscoe today talks about those sins you try to hide, but God always knows. She also teaches what to do with that sin and how to make God the true ruler of your life. More from Jill is on the way. In their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Jill show you straight from God's Word how you can stand strong against your spiritual enemy and live victoriously in Christ. We'll send you a copy of this resource as our thanks for your support today to help others experience the life of abundance God wants them to have in Jesus. So call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces, 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Let's hear from Jill now and her message, Sin in the Camp. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Now then, being very morbid by nature, some of us are not morbid by nature, but I am. That's why I love writing books on Job and Jeremiah and (laughs) lamentations and things like that. I'm naturally drawn to parts of the scriptures that are negative. And I'm married to a positive. I don't know if you're married to a positive, or you're the positive married to the negative, but usually opposites attract, right? And then they irritate after that. (laughs) (laughs) But what attracts you in the first place is usually what you don't have in yourself. So, And then you get married and you start trying to make them like you, which is a stupid thing to do, (laughs) because the idea is complementarity of that other person. But I am the negative one, and so I love going to graveyards. (laughs) Fascinating places. You really don't understand that here, but if you're English, you would. Because the English graveyard is a beautiful place to go to. And there is such history there, and there are such fascinating things written on all the little tombstones. (laughs) It's a great place to go. (laughs) I remember somebody telling me what the hypochondriac's epitaph was. Now, before I tell you this joke, I have to explain something, because last time I told it, there was no response, and I realized they didn't know what a hypochondriac was, and they didn't know what an epitaph was. So a hypochondriac, you know, is somebody that always thinks there's something wrong with them all their lives when there isn't. And an epitaph is what somebody says about you when you're gone or puts on your tombstone on your gravestone and that's what's so fascinating visiting English graveyards because there's some fascinating stuff in there do you know what the hypochondriac's epitaph was I told you I was ill (laughs) and that was on a gravestone (laughs) so you can see why it's interesting now there are many pictures and types in the book of Joshua and I would like to use the picture of Joshua as the spiritual side of us and Achan as the worldly, fleshly side of us. Joshua as the spiritual, Achan as the fleshly side of us. What do I mean by that? Well, the word the scriptures use in the New Testament to talk about the natural part of us that we're born with. We're not born with the spiritual part of us. We're born natural men and women. Is the flesh or self, or the old man. They have these different terms. And if you ever doubt your children 
are born natural, come and talk to me. You'll be the first one I've ever met. I mean, did you ever teach your child to answer back? Who crept into your house and told them to be naughty? They just know how to do that. All on their own. All on their own. My mother used to get so upset with me when I said that my children were born in sin. Little sinful things. <laughs> Cute, gorgeous, sinful things. She said, how can you say that? They're just perfect. I can't imagine how you can say that. But, you know, when you get to know them. <laughs> natural men, you're born a natural person. That's what a natural person does. He lives after natural things, after natural desires. Spiritual people, what do they do? They live after the spirit. So how does that happen? You receive the spirit of God. You're born from above. You're born once of the flesh, John 1 says, then you're born of the spirit. And you receive God's spirit. You partake of the divine nature. Christ by a spirit comes into your heart. And you become a spiritual person who thinks about spiritual things and wants to do spiritual exercises. Now then, the Bible talks about a third sort of person. And they call them a carnal person, a fleshly person, a worldly person. What are they? They were a natural person. They became a spiritual person. But they're living like a natural person. That's a carnal person. You're not living like Joshua. You're living like Achan. So all of us have a disaster waiting to happen inside us. Your worst self, if you like, without Christ. What did Achan do? First of all, he violated the ban. Achan is never content with the contents of life that he has. The flesh is never content with what Christ has seen fit to provide us. I coveted, I saw, I wanted. To see it is to want it. To want it is to have to have it. And to have to have it, you do anything. You violate the ban. Now, God bans certain things. What is this? What does he ban? Well, there are things that are off limits. And there is a list of them, actually, in Exodus, of course. No-nos, God's no-nos, if you like. What is under the ban? Well, for Achan, a Babylonian garment. Clothes were under the ban. A wedge of gold and silver were under the ban. Does that mean that money is forbidden, is under God's ban, that clothes are under God's ban? No, for Achan, they were under the ban. And it just depends. It means that sin lies in disregarding our relationship with God and what he's telling us at that particular moment is under the ban. There are obvious things that are always under the ban. Idolizing another human being is under the ban instead of worshiping God. Bad language, blasphemy, swearing. What's banned? Making the Sabbath your day instead of his. Treating your parents badly. What's banned? Violence that's lethal, that ends in murder. There's lots of things that are under the ban. But there's also what God has not given you permission at that particular time in that particular place. And that can change. One battle is under the ban. The next time it isn't under the ban. What do you say to me? What's under the ban in this situation, God? Well, he knew what was under the ban, and you will know very well what's under the ban. I think of Jesus. He was hungry. Turn these stones into bread. It was under the ban. At that particular time, in that particular place, his father had said no. He had the power, but he didn't have the permission. He had the power to do and to satisfy his legitimate need. 
but he didn't have the permission. Another time he fed 5,000 people. And I'm sure he fed himself and his disciples because he had the permission. So it's a question, as he says, of living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, of saying to the man with the sword, the Lord, can I do this? Can I take this? Is this for me? Is this not for me? I think of Amy Carmichael, single, lady missionary, out in India. Of course she wanted to be married, like any normal, red-blooded young woman would. And she had an opportunity later in her missionary career to marry somebody else that was heading up another mission, but he was in Africa, she was in India, and he felt very called to Africa, she felt very called to India and to what she was doing. And so he said, well, we love each other. There was nothing wrong with it, but it was under the ban. And in her book, she says, it wasn't that it was right and it wasn't that it was wrong. God said to her, it's not that it's right or wrong. I have something different for you. Not this time, not this man, not this place. And so it can be something good. It can be something bad. In this instance, it was something that God had said no to. So he took it, he saw it, had to have it. The greed need took over because Achan has a greed need. Never content with such things as God has given. Whatever you have, you always want more. Achan always wants more, more than he's got. And he thinks, well, if I had more, then I'd be happy. You can never satisfy the flesh. He has a stomach that is always hungry. And so he takes the stuff and he buries the evidence. He violated the ban and he buries the evidence. And that's what the flesh does. And you know, I thought about this. He couldn't enjoy it. He buried it in his tent. I mean, he probably had to wait till dark to sort of dig it up and look at it in the light of a candle. And that's what happens in this instance, blatant sin. You can't enjoy it. You bury it in a deep hole in your soul. With God, there is no hidden sin. So what can you do about sin in your life? That's what Jill Briscoe is discussing today on Telling the Truth. She's back with more in a moment. You can't always see it raging around you, but every day you're locked in a battle that threatens your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. Spiritual warfare is very real, and you can't afford to sit this fight out. Your spiritual enemy will stop at nothing to keep you from experiencing the abundant and impactful life you're called to in Christ. But you can stand strong in Jesus and the power of His Spirit. And Stuart and Jill want to show you how, straight from God's Word, by sending you their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. We'll send you this encouraging series as thanks for your gift to help people around the world hear the message of Jesus through broadcasts like this one today. Your gift of support helps Telling the Truth carry the message of God's love to people across the globe so they can experience life in Christ. Call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you give. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Also, we want to let you know that after February 2nd, Telling the Truth will be moving off your local station. 
But you can still find the teaching you love from Stuart and Jill Briscoe at tellingthetruth.org, on the Telling the Truth app, or at oneplace.com. We trust you will connect with us there for 24-7 access to the Briscoe's great teaching. Now, here's Jill to continue her message, Sin in the Camp. The consequences are hiding. You're always hiding. You think of Genesis. They ran away and hid behind a tree. They took the fruit. Was the fruit bad? No, it was under the ban. Nothing wrong with the fruit. What what their disobedience did, that's what was wrong. Their disobedience and their relationship to God. So they took the fruit and then they ran and hid. And God came and they heard the voice of the Lord God and they were afraid to come out because there is always hiding connected with giving in to the flesh and doing what God says you shouldn't do. So he, he took something, he violated the ban, he buried the evidence and he began a great cover-up. That's what happens. The flesh always tries to cover up Bury it, push it down, repress it. I think of the Ananias and Sapphira thing. Peter said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And here was Achan fighting the battles of the Lord. I mean, on the outside, he looked a great soldier. Doing it all like everybody else was doing it. But God saw. And you cannot cover it up. And you can try to bury disobedience, dig a hole in your soul and cover up the consequences because you don't want anyone to know. But God says it's in his tent. I'll show you where it is. You cannot hide it from God. And then all the fear of being found out. Can you imagine when they got all Israel together and they started to take the clans and the tribes? Can you imagine what he felt like? And incidentally, the whole of his family, they had buried it. They had taken it. They were all in it together. Fear of being found out. And he infected the camp. Sin always has its social consequences. He affected his family. He affected the camp. And you cannot live a worldly, natural, carnal life and not affect the camp, the church, the fellowship. The ripples go on and on and on. And so what happened? Joshua was praying about it. God says, it's not a bit of good. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And the word regard means if I know there is something that has not been dealt with, I have not brought to the light of God, I have not allowed him to cleanse me from and deal with in my life, then he will not hear me. So you can quit praying, quit coming to Bible study, quit serving God. You just don't go on with emotions (laughs) because nothing's going to work. And what did Joshua have to do? He had to come back to the man with the sword and allow the lordship of Christ to take over to do what God told him about the situation. Now, that's where victory begins to come. The question of who is sovereign, who are you going to obey? You're going to obey God, you're going to obey the part of you that wants whatever it is more than you want what God wants you to want. The lordship of Christ, the lordship of God, as it's explained as a principle in Scripture, means who is sovereign. Is he just resident or is he precedent in your life? Tell me. Who's running the show? You know, as I expect you know, I'm English. (laughs) 
and we have a queen. And I remember when she was in 23, I think, or 24, and she was abroad with Prince Philip. She had just been married. And she was met by a royal messenger to tell her that her father, a very beloved king, who had taken over from his brother, who had abdicated the throne for the love of a divorced woman, if you remember, Mrs. Simpson. And this king, who never wanted to be king, he's called the reluctant king, but made a good king, came to the throne. And Elizabeth, of course, was his daughter. And he died. And so she had to come back from that African trip. And I remember watching the coronation with the whole of the world, or certainly the whole of England, as Queen Elizabeth was crowned. And it interested me that everybody, everybody came and knelt in front of her as their sovereign and said something like, my, my lord or my liege and my sovereign. And they bowed in front of her and they acknowledged that she was their sovereign. But from that day to this, she has never issued an order, never signed a decree. She is a figurehead. So who does that? The prime minister. He does that. And I think that's a pretty good picture of a lot of Christians' lives. That Jesus is the figurehead, my Lord and my leash. But it's the prime minister. It's the I, it's the me that signs the decrees and orders my life and makes the decisions and gives the orders. The lordship of Christ means that he's the president, not the resident. So the lordship of Christ has to be put into effect in your life. Is he lord of your life? The work of the Spirit has to be cooperated with. The Spirit of God wants to convict you of the sin or the worldliness or the fleshly, whatever it is, and convert you, turn you around from going the direction you're going into victory, into the promised land. Now Joshua got up, faced up, dug it up, gave it up. I don't have time to deliver all that, but that's what he did. The second and last part of this talk, first of all, you've got Achan. Secondly, you've got Achor, the Valley of Tears. Three times this valley is mentioned in Scripture. The first time it's mentioned is in this disaster, this thing that happened in the history of Israel. And the second time is in the book of Hosea, the prophet. To this day, it says, this mound of stones, this gravestone with this epitaph, Achan, the troubler of Israel, that mound, that monument stood in that valley. And actually, all Israel was told to tell this story to their children as an example of the disaster that one man can bring upon the whole of the congregation of Israel. And in the book of Hosea, chapter 2, there is the most marvelous little passage of Scripture. And the prophet is told to go to Israel, who is behaving like an unfaithful wife, and tell Israel that God is like a faithful husband. And in verse 14, the hope, the promise is given through the prophet to Israel. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her, this woman, this Israel, who has behaved like a prostitute, okay? There I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. What a marvelous verse. 
in this veil of tears, in this disaster, there is a door of hope. A door of hope. And I don't know what disaster we bring upon ourselves from our disobedience and whatnot, but there is always, in the veil of tears, a door of hope. God does that. And the other place that the Valley of Achor is spoken about is in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 10. Sharon will become a pasture for flocks, and the Valley of Achor a resting place for herds for my people who seek me. This marvelous picture of the Valley of Achor from the disaster that it had been because of the door of hope that God had given, the hope of forgiveness, the hope of restoration, the hope of coming back into a right relationship with him, of making him president instead of resident, of putting all that right, of cooperating with the Spirit, of walking after God's ordinances and after the Spirit instead of after our fleshly, natural nature. Then there will be a resting place. Then there will be a place for the sheep and a place of the lambs to rest and find pasture. And God promises that that is possible. And again, in the types and pictures of Scripture, I think this is just an absolutely beautiful one. Today, Jill Briscoe shared what to do with the sin in your life so that you can let God truly lead. It's a key to the abundant life he offers in Jesus. Coming up, Jill is back to close out today with one final insight. Between the pressures of paying bills, taking care of your family, and keeping up with a chaotic calendar, it's easy to feel outnumbered and overmatched. And those are just the visible challenges you face each day. The unseen forces of evil can make life seem even more overwhelming, threatening your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. But you're not without help and hope. And in their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Joel Briscoe show you how you can live victoriously, knowing that with Christ and His Spirit, you're never alone. This new series is our thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teaching of telling the truth. Generous friends like you keep broadcasts like this one today going, even reaching people in places that are closed to the gospel. So if you haven't given before, now is a great time to jump in and help keep God's word going out around the world to you and many others. And remember to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you call and give. Just call 1-800-889-5388, 1-800-889-5388, or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill to wrap things up. I love pictures, and I, I work with pictures, and I love types and all that stuff in the Bible, and I think this is an absolutely beautiful one. But let me bring it down to where you're at. I mean, I do you have a singing heart? Are you happy in the Lord? If not, could it just be? that you have allowed Achan to have his way and you've buried something deep down there that you think nobody knows about and it's spoiling your life, it's spoiling your spirituality, it's spoiling your walk with God, you don't get anything out of this, you're like Joshua, flatten your face and you may as well be up and doing dancing, I don't know. But it's no good praying. He wasn't getting anywhere. <laughs> and God said, you can quit that until you put this right. You can go to prayer 
And you're saying, oh, Lord, I pray for Africa and I pray for young moms. And God says, what about this? Yes, yes. And I pray for this and I pray for that. And, and what about this? Yes, Lord, amen. And you get up and go out. And he says, just quit it. Not hearing that anyway. And you know, this is so important. I heard about a, a lighthouse. And uh, the guy was there, and it was a very dangerous place. This is a true story. And a wind came through, a, a sort of like tornado, and smashed one of the windows, just on one side. And so he put up some cardboard, because he didn't have anything else to put up. So there was one part dark, just one. And would you know it, that particular time, before he could get that scene to, and the glass put in again, a ship coming up on that side of the lighthouse found it on the rocks. That's Joe Briscoe closing out today's Telling the Truth. Before we go, we want to remind you that this month, when you give to support Telling the Truth broadcasts like this one, we'll send you Stuart and Joel Briscoe's five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. This powerful new series will help you stand strong in Christ and in the power of His Spirit against the enemy so you can live victoriously each day. Please request your series when you call 1-800-889-5388, 1-800-889-5388, or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. And just a reminder that after February 2nd, Telling the Truth will be moving off your local station, but you can still find the teaching you love from Stuart and Jill Briscoe at tellingthetruth.org on the Telling the Truth app or at OnePlace.com. We trust you'll connect with us there for 24-7 access to the Briscoe's Great Teaching. Thanks for joining us today on Telling the Truth. Be sure to come back next time for more encouraging truth to help you experience life. That's here on Telling the Truth.